Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Thanks, yo. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we bring you news from the nomadic community or talk to other nomads so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And lucky for you, this episode is all about the news. Yeah, so this is our monthly deep dive into what the world is talking about when it comes to van life. And boy, do we got some stories for you. But first, let's do a little update from the road. I feel like a lot has happened in the last month that, you know... We're in a brand new country. And from here on out, we're going to be in a new country pretty much every month on the podcast, which is kind of wild to think because we're in Central America. There's only so much time that we could be in each one of these countries. So it's like 30 days max before you got to be in a new one. Yeah, so we're definitely feeling, you know, the visa crunch. Well, we're not really feeling it. We're enjoying our time. But it's, you know, definitely in the back of your mind, you know, how much time do you have somewhere and how long can you be there? And also, after Mexico, the countries are almost the same size as, like, states. So when we hit Guatemala, Guatemala is a pretty big one, but now we're in El Salvador, teeny, teeny, tiny. El Salvador is, like, kind of in between... Rhode Island and the next smallest state, like, about size-wise. Yeah. I would say it's, like, pretty small when it comes to, like, a state in the United States. Yeah, I did a little Google map the other day, and you can drive from the very north tip to the very south tip, which is the longest part of the country, in less than six hours. Yeah, which is crazy to think that that's a whole entire country, and the country itself only goes halfway through Central America when it comes east to west. Yeah, it's really, really small, so... Next up, we're going to do one hour in Honduras, which is the tiny little strip of land that blocks it from Nicaragua. Does that count as doing a country? I mean, we're going to have to cross two borders in one day. I was actually looking at our, like, list of all the countries that we're going to coming up because we're basically planning on going all the way to Panama and then driving all the way back up to the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And we still have 11 border crossings to do. And if you guys really want to get involved and see more of this, definitely go join us on YouTube. FNA Van Life over there. Just search it. You'll find us. And you can actually follow along and see what this type of travel is like. Yeah. For us, it's been incredible so far. Yeah. It's had its hiccups. It's had its issues. But more more good times and bad for sure yeah absolutely i don't regret coming at all and i'm so excited and enjoying everything that we're doing and i feel like every country that we go to has exceeded my expectations you know it's just been amazing like you get somewhere and maybe i was a little bit scared at first you know i was scared of mexico and then we're traveling in mexico and it's been amazing and then I was a little bit nervous about Guatemala, and then everything was amazing, and then I wasn't sure what to think about El Salvador, and then it's been absolutely spectacular. Well, one of the interesting things I find is that, like, I felt like El Salvador would be one of the most, like, the safest that it's ever been in a really long time, and I really felt this way because about what the president's doing and what's going on in the general country of El Salvador at the moment, and, you know, I feel like every time I was saying that to you, Alex, there was a lot of times where you came back and be like, well, how do you even know that? Well, how do you like and I'm like because of like what's going on you would particularly think that it's a pretty safe place at the moment yeah and actually I pulled up a list the other day of like the world peace index and it's actually safer to be in El Salvador than it is to be in the United States right now which is crazy to think based on this like global scale it's safer to be in Nicaragua it's safer to be in many of these countries in Central America than it is to be in the United States well and I think that in the United States we're really safe like in the world today in the general sense of the world today most countries are safe to travel through like it's just that's kind of the life that we're living in at this point there's less violence than there's ever been before there's less crime than there's ever been before in the general sense of like war and all these things right of course there's wars going on today that hopefully get resolved and we don't have to deal with stuff like that here in the future but it's 
It's the safest that the world has ever been. And you get the most information that you've ever gotten. Yeah, there's certainly a lot more information moving, and hopefully that that helps. You know, I'm watching a lot of these. It's just hard to, like, not see what's going on in the global world, because, like, yes, theoretically it's safer than it's ever been, but there's also huge amounts of conflict in Ukraine and Iran and, you know, many other countries in the world that it's hard to, like, turn a blind eye to that and then also just be, like, enjoying our lives, but... I you know, how do you find the balance between, like, being worried about other people and, you know, from so far away, how can you help? I mean, I think that the, the fact of the matter is is that you can do both of those things. You know, like, you can pay attention to what's going on in the world but still also enjoy your life. That's the purpose of life is to be able to enjoy it no matter what's going on. You could be in the middle of a really bad situation but still enjoy life if you have a positive outlook. Well, and I think it makes you more grateful for the things that you do have and the freedoms that we do have and the fact that Frankie and I can travel and drive to these nine countries in nine months unimpeded except for some, you know, paperwork and, you know, maybe missed forms or things like that. Small miscommunications. There's nothing stopping us from going to all of these countries and we're super grateful for the fact that we have the ability and the privilege to be able to do this kind of road trip. Yeah, for sure, I agree. All right, guys, let's jump on into this first article. Enough about where we are and what's going on. Let's talk about van life specifically. So this has kind of been all of the buzz. There were so many different articles written about this, so I've just picked one out of the bunch. The title is Ford to Dazzle RV and Van Lifers with Adventure Ready Transit Trail. I mean, this sounds like to me that Ford is getting in the van life game, like straight up Ford themselves, not like uh, Winnebago, uh, you know, with the Sprinter van or with a, you know, a Ram Promaster or another type of vehicle. Ford themselves is jumping full on into van life. This goes to show how relevant van life is now. Yeah, and it's certainly growing and obviously transit has, you know, seen that there's space in the market for them to offer another vehicle like this. Um, you know, it's funny cause I feel like you look on van life trader and stuff like that. And there's so many vehicles for sale and there's so many RVs for sale. And there's so many of these like revels and like, like things available for sale. But apparently transit thinks that, you know, there's still room in the market for another prefab vehicle. And I mean, I think they're looking at it in a marketing aspect as well as in the fact that they're seeing these things sell for quite a bit of money, so they're trying to jump in this game and make a maximum profit. This is the way I'm looking at it. Would I test out one of these vans? Yeah, for sure. But do I think that it might be right for van life for me? I don't know. I would have to try it out. Well, so here's the thing about it. This is all only like a little teaser. And so the only thing that they've dropped about this vehicle is like a darkly lit outside shot of like a campsite with the vehicle and the lights and a kayak on the side but it also specifically says like the kayak is not included in the vehicle (laughs) so you have to buy your own kayak and chairs but yeah so it's basically just like the spoiler and the step and the different lights in the front and you know kind of like these exterior like you know, badass looking features. But you don't see the fan. You don't see like the things that you would need in van life to keep like this, you know, temperature, the proper temperature. Maybe. There's no solar panels on it. The roof looks clean. Empty. So I'm wondering, is there even actually anything inside of this van? Like, is there a whole house built inside or is it just an empty, more rugged shell for you then to build your van inside. Well, it kind of sounds like that they're building an actual van for van life. Like, it called the trail, right? And it's, like, marketed towards van life. Yeah. Like, the first line in it is about, like, you know, van life. So I could say that, like, maybe on the roof they have those solar panels that are, like, flat and that you could walk on. So, like, maybe we can't see them in it. But you would definitely be able to see, like... Uh, a fan up there and I don't see shit. So we'll have to wait until next month's debut to learn what else the American Transit Trail does share and what it does not share with its older brother living in Europe, but it does sound like it will be an intriguing adventure van um, for DIYers, small independent builders, and large RV companies. So it's definitely just the shell to then 
have the other companies do all of the work to build it out. So, so yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think that it's kind of like a marketing thing once again. They're marketing this van because it is it is uh, all-wheel drive, correct? Yeah. And I think they are able to take 50% of the power and put it in the front wheels as well. And so to give you the ability to hopefully get out of some sketchy situations. Right, but then it's still up to you. So if you're in the market to buy like a brand new 2023 vehicle, it's basically just the regular Ford Transit with every bell and whistle that you could possibly get. So I'm assuming that it's going to make it one of the more expensive transits. I mean, just the transit alone is probably 80K. For like a brand if it has one. all the bells and whistles, you know what I mean? If it's the trail, it's probably 80K just that. So then you have to have one of these companies most likely build it. They did say that it is for the DIYers and small companies. So maybe, maybe there's a little bit of a break there. I don't know. Yeah, so this is definitely maybe a nice option for somebody who was wanting to get into van life. And, you know, it's definitely nice to have the all-wheel drive. I think that we probably could have use that in a couple situations. One thing I find interesting about this, it does say Ford will bring alongside another Transit and E-Transit. Do you know what that means? Electric. Yeah, so they're having an electric rig come out. I wonder what the mileage is for something like that. And can you hook up a panel system that also trickle charges the battery system so if you ever need to stay in a place for a while, maybe you could just get a full charge out of it. All right, so speaking of electric vehicles, that brings us to our next article. This is from OICanadian.com, SME Innovation, Finally the Electric Van Life. What's kind of really cool about this one is it's an old Dodge Sprinter. This is like the 2006 Dodge Sprinter or like 03 Dodge Sprinter that we had back in the day. So it looks really freaking clean. So he must have had this one in pristine shape uh, when he got it. Uh, because they're really hard to find those T1Ns. Yeah, so this is actually a van rental company in Bromont. It's called Bromont Camper Vans. And as of next spring, they're going to be renting out 100% electric vehicles that are van life rigs. So it's already built out. You can take it for a spin. Um, you know, it's basically like renting a camper van for the weekend, but you're renting an electric camper van. I guess it's kind of cool. Uh, I wonder... How, like, once again, you could take it on the highway and you could go to, like, some locations, but realistically, there's not a lot of plugs to plug in out there. Right. So, basically, the challenge of this is that it is, has only a 200-kilometer range, and it's a Ford, actually. Mm. So, maybe the photo that he has isn't actually the electric vehicle. Maybe they've got... (laughs) They've got another vehicle that's the actual electric vehicle. Um, But, so... It has a 200-kilometer range. How many miles is 200 kilometers? 200 kilometers is like 100 miles. Half? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like a 5K is 3 miles. I guess it's 150 miles Yeah, like 100 and change. 150 miles max. That's nothing. That's way too short. Yeah, it's not a very long distance at all. And so, basically, the kind of marketing spin on this is that they're saying, you know, it's a great way to explore your local surroundings. So rather than going on like a big road trip, which, you know, honestly, if you're renting a camper van for the weekend, you're probably not trying to do like drive to the other side of the country and back. Mm -hmm. So maybe just exploring your own backyard is kind of, you know, a good option. Yeah. I wonder what they're renting them out for because that plays a role in it, you know, if you're only able to go so far, so it looks like they're renting them for $250 per day for an, uh, the 150 kilometer per day. So you're allowed to do the full mileage uh, that it can support, I'm guessing, the vehicle could support. But um, there's also uh, a thousand mile trip for... No, they're if, saying there's no surplus for a thousand kilometer trip. If Oh, what? Yeah. So no surplus for a thousand kilometer trip if it's done over a week, but Correct. an extra that can quickly inflate the bill for long journeys. So like this tells me that like this company is... If you want to hear the rest of Frankie's take on this news article, be sure to come and join our Patreon. The link is right down below. You get access to this full episode completely uncut and behind the scenes of all of our YouTube videos. There's so much good stuff going on in there. So be sure to come and check us out.
fnavanlife.com slash Patreon. You know what? Not everybody can build out an entire van life vehicle. And not everybody, like, needs a whole van life vehicle. So if you're just somebody who loves to camp, you love the idea of van life, you want to get out there, you want to go for a weekend, and you, you know, have the budget to spend $250 a day to, like, go enjoy that, then go enjoy that. So this company is planning on having 15 electric vans by 2026. Um, and so each vehicle costs around $150,000 once converted and ready to lease. Mm -hmm. So they got, you know, if you've got a $150,000 vehicle and you're renting it for $250 a night, that's not that crazy. No, I mean, the price is good for what their investment is. Yeah, who knows? But I think too, like, honestly, that's kind of like the price of renting a camper or an RV or something like that. Like, I'm sure you could find discounts. But, what, like, remember last summer my mom was looking into renting an RV to, like, do a trip or whatever? And she was like, it's less expensive just to, like, get a hotel room every night. Yeah, I mean, of course it is. It's because of the lifestyle being so demanding and people want to try it. There's so many people trying it, and that's forcing the price to be higher. I wonder, too, if there's a lot of, like, liability associated with it. Oh, yeah, definitely. It. So, like, maybe you're having to pay, like, a much more higher insurance rate or something like that because they are driving around a $150,000 vehicle. Oh, not only that, if they damage anybody or anything else and they need to cover the vehicle, the other person, the hospital bills, all that stuff, they probably need a million-dollar policy. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's definitely a different way to travel, and if you're somebody who's, like, thinking that you might want to convert a van and you're not really sure if it's for you, maybe renting a van like this for the weekend is a really good idea. Because even if you spend $1,000 for the weekend, you'll really get to know, is this something I actually want to do? Or was it just a fun weekend and, like, that satisfied my craving? This is totally something we could agree on. I think that if you're doing it for a weekend or, like, even a week and you're just trying to see if this lifestyle is for you, I think it's a great, like, small investment to get yourself out there and see if it's something that you really enjoy. Granted, one week of doing something like this, you're normally pretty scared during that week. Like, it feels a little bit off. You don't really have your footing in the gate yet. So if you really do like it, then it's definitely meant for you. But if you don't like it as much, maybe it just didn't work out that week for you. Because that's part of van life, too. Yeah, there's definitely, like, growing pains. And, you know, but I think, again, like you said, if you have the determination and the fortitude and this is something that you really want to do, then, you know you'll figure out the hurdles or maybe the van like we didn't see what the inside of this van looks like but maybe the inside is just like not built for like you or your life or how you get around or how you move in your space and so even having a bad experience can be a good experience in the sense that it teaches you like oh my god I would never want my kit my sink so close to my cooktop or you know like just random little things mm -hmm. It does say kilometers, so I'm guessing that this company is not in the United States. No, it's from the website, iocanadian.com. Okay, so it's Canada. Yeah. Is where this is happening. And that's understandable. So the $250 is not U.S., it's Canadian. So realistically, it's not as much money there. So it's more like $180 probably, like U.S., 200 U.S. Yeah. for a day, you yeah. know. So it's a little bit less money when you're talking in, uh, you know, the aspect of USD. And I think, too, we have to also recognize that, like, you and I live on a pretty frugal, limited budget. Yes. Some people, $250 a day is not a big deal at all. So speaking of that, if you are living well above that means, you can always join Patreon and help support us so we can have a little bit bigger of a budget. Well, apparently we need to grow our mindset when it comes to money because it's not necessarily, it's like the value of it, you know, it changes. But anyways, yes, please come join our Patreon where you can listen to this full episode ad-free and get all the scoop on all the stories. Yeah, because we're going to be featuring some of the stories here, but not all of them today. All right. All right, next up, we are going... 
Next up, we're going to dive into a little bit more of our money mindset because apparently Frankie needs to work on that bad boy. Me? Yeah, I'm you. I'm not the one who's always talking about, we can't do this, we can't do that. Well, you're the one who says that we can't afford $250 a day for a camping trip. That's just because my mindset has been pushed there. <laughs> I like that you're blaming me. Okay. I mean, likewise. <laughs> Welcome to this article from inews.co.uk. It's in the United Kingdom. Okay. So that we both know it's in the United Kingdom. See, this makes sense now. Okay. It puts me on the right page. Okay. I thought the whole time we were in that article, I thought it was the United Kingdom. Even though States. we were talking about the kilometer range. Well, when the kilometer came up, I was like, this is fucking weird. <laughs> this article's called... This article says, we're saving money every month. Meet the van lifers escaping the energy crisis. With motorhome ownership enjoying a surge since the pandemic, many are enjoying new flexible working practices to spend long periods of time on the road in Europe and further afield, enjoying the freedom and the lower cost of living. I mean, I feel like we could directly relate to this because right now, once again, we are in, we're in El Salvador, which means that life for us at the moment is much cheaper than if we were in the United States. Yes, granted, we are traveling. There are times where we're paying for campsites. There are times where we're doing these things. But, like, realistically, to have some, like, five pupusas a day to be able to fill our bodies, that would be more likely less than $5. Yeah, but I think um, it's actually been interesting because I feel like Mexico, depending on the town, you know, like the very touristy gringo towns were definitely more expensive. But generally, Mexico was very affordable. Mm -hmm. And then Guatemala felt like, ooh, this is a little bit more expensive. But there were spots in Guatemala that was super cheap. So, But, like, the camping felt cheaper. Yes. And then in El Salvador, El Salvador actually operates on the U.S. dollar and Bitcoin, which is very interesting. But I think that maybe it's the town that we're in right now because there's a lot of, like, Bitcoin people in this town. Everything seems to kind of be... Almost American knee prices, maybe with like still a lower. slight discount. Yeah, it's still lower. And realistically, we're also going to places where it's more expensive at the moment. Like we're in a beach town. This is like yes. a place where, like, tu uh, um, Tunco. Tunco is the spot where you want to come when you come to El Salvador. It's just like a cool, vibey place. They um, we're working with Tunco. Uh, we're working with Tunco uh, Life. Yeah. Working with Tunco Life right now, and he's taking us around. Salvia's taking us around to all these different beautiful places to help show you the best parts about El Salvador. So you're definitely going to want to check out our videos so you can see where we're going, as well as how beautiful and how awesome El Salvador is. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, depending on where you travel, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, in the next coming countries, you know, how it feels budget-wise. Um, but so basically, these people in the UK are finding kind of the same thing. There's a lot of issues. So this is from the UK. And so Brexit has complicated things, but, you know, the visa and the euro. And um, but so they can get a 90 day Schengen visa, um, which for they get 90 days in the Schengen area, which is a whole group of countries every 180 day period. So these people are basically kind of doing like six months in the UK, six months out of the UK, or kind of like bumping around Europe to kind of maximize the visa that they can get now, um, which is kind of what we would be doing if we went to Europe um, in terms of like, okay, if we can get the Schengen visa, then we'd have to exit for a certain amount of time and be in these other countries for a while. And so there's more logistics around where you can be based on your visa, but it's totally worth it. Um, and so... This article actually interviews a couple different people who are doing it in different ways. Um, so first, Chris and Kat wanted to escape the rat race and head for the sunshine. Um, and so they have a pretty big RV, like a kind of like a big class B, um, and they're super comfortable in that. So it's actually kind of cool to know that there's like these bigger models in the UK because I, I had heard that Europe really only had like smaller RVs. Yeah, I think that they have the big RVs, but they don't have normally, like, the buses. Right. Like, mm -hmm. the Class A? Yeah, like, a Class A you don't see as often. Ooh. I'm sure they still have them there. Like, you know, they have the double-decker buses, but they stay in a specific area. They don't go... Like, there's a lot of low-hanging bridges, I think, so... 
I actually, it would be so cool to see a double-decker bus van life conversion. There's many of them out there, actually. Yeah. But I'm, a lot of them tend to be, uh, like, a stationary, you know... Uh, more of, like, an like Airbnb. Airbnb styled, yeah. yeah. Every once in a while, you'll see them, but uh, they're very rare. Right. So, this couple is basically going to winter in Menorca, which is very nice. It sounds lovely. Cool. Um, but, yeah, so... They've been really enjoying it. The other couple actually is traveling with their two kids, and they found that since the pandemic kind of pushed them into homeschooling, they actually really liked homeschooling and didn't mind it at all. Um, and so they decided, you know, let's do this more full-time and get on the road. Um, and, you know, the dad works full-time as a journalist, mm. and so he can take the family um, to different locations that he's writing stories about. And it just kind of seems really ideal for them to, instead of being on holiday, it's more of just like life. And realistically, it's kind of the perfect job for somebody who's doing this type of lifestyle. Because if you're a traveling journalist just like this guy is, it's like ideal that you could have your family with you and also be able to go to these places, show your family these places, and also be able to do your job. Mm -hmm. And so basically for this person, as the freelance journalist... The money that they earn from writing and documenting their life is more than enough to cover life on the road, and they're also saving money every month. But if they were still in the UK, any savings would be immediately spent on the increased cost of living. Is that wild to think? Like, people got in the van life to get away from how expensive it was living in the house, right? A lot of people do, not everybody. But with that being said, the increase in like just renting a home or the energy that you're using, you know, because of all the things going on in the world today, you know, whether it's people making maximum profits or wars, who knows. Mm -hmm. But regardless of that, it is, it's amazing that people today, you know, everybody's like, oh, van life or this or this type of lifestyle is really expensive. Life is expensive in general. Yeah. So you got to figure it out. And believe me, you know, when I say it, Alex and I have been traveling for three years, and realistically, it's cheaper to still travel the way that we do than what it would have been to live in Brooklyn, New York for us. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely going to be probably another wave of people coming into van life who, you know, maybe they sold their house in the high, but now they can't find a house that they can afford because everything costs so much, mm -hmm. or, like, maybe... Even just interest rates going higher. Right, and, like, maybe they can't afford to buy a house now, and so they're tired of renting, and they want to get into something that's theirs that they can own, like a van. So I think there's going to be kind of, like, another wave is this, like, you know, people keep talking about, like, the housing crash and blah, blah, blah. So, like, all of that kind of just, like, makes me really grateful that we live in a van, and that we're not kind of like dealing with stuff like that and that we have figured out how to make an income on the road and that we are enjoying our lives and you know we're having a good time and we're still making money and saving money and you know we're able to kind of do all of these things because we live in a van and and if you guys want to know more about how we did that you could check some of our earlier podcasts on how we do it and eventually we could actually even do an updated one for you guys as well on like our budget and stuff, yeah or? just like budget and lifestyle and the way that we afford it and the things that we do to afford it remember that there's so many different ways that's the purpose of this podcast too is we talk to all these other people on this that are living nomadically full-time and and some part-time but on this podcast alone, you're going to figure out all the different jobs that you could do while you're on the road. Mm -hmm. And so this person actually, in the article, got into van life because they were doing house-sitting jobs. And so then they were like looking after people's pets as they house-sat. But then the, uh, he bought the camper van to fill the void between jobs. So it's like, oh, I'd have a pet-sitting job for like a month or two. But then I would have, you know, a couple weeks or a month with no pet-sitting job. Mm. So then you'd need somewhere to live. So if you have, I think actually that might be something cool to explore when we're back in the States, maybe. Somebody just sent me uh, or us that like something like that and um, of people having that type of situation in Mexico and in Central America. So we could even oh. explore it while we're down here. Yeah, I think that that would be really cool because, you know, it's it's very nice to be on the road and to do this like full-time travel and nonstop adventure. But then also sometimes it feels really good to just like be in one place and like relax and mm -hmm. you know 
open the doors and unpack po- a little bit. Possibly have a fresh pool there in the back. Ooh. You know, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Life is like a box of chocolates, you know? Yeah. And so it's kind of nice to have kind of, you know, the ability to sit for a little while and then also the ability to move for a little while. So I think that that's definitely something that we're going to look into, you know, maybe in the more near future than I thought. Hey, babe, what's the next article? I think that you're really going to like this one because it is about how van life can actually make life on the mountain better. So I think we've talked about this before in the podcast. We've definitely talked about it in real life before. Um, But so it's becoming very expensive to live in ski and snowboard towns, right? Yeah, and I think that the idea of this is that this is the big reason why I joined van life. I wanted to be on the mountain more, but I knew that I couldn't afford both the lift ticket and also renting like a hotel room. And that was even with the job that I had in New York City. Yeah, it's just very expensive to like mountain towns. It's, you know, it's a sport for people who have cash flow, I feel like. Well, and I think that is because of these places are normally pretty remote. So things have to make it up a hill you know, up the mountain to get to to it. You need, you know, the proper heating situation, which causes a lot of energy uh, to be able to keep up with, you know, having all these things in these places. Yeah, it costs a lot of money to operate a lift and to operate a snow machine and to operate a ski village and to pay all these people. But so basically, the problem that these ski towns have been having in recent years is that A lot of the accommodations for people who work at the ski towns, because you need a lot of people to run the lifts, to make the french fries, to, you know, sell the tickets, whatever, those people are all making basically minimum wage, Mm -hmm. maybe a bit more, not a huge amount of money. Most of them do it because they love to ski or snowboard, they love to be on the mountain, they, like, want to be in the scene and working at a ski resort is the way for them to, like, be on the mountain as much as possible. And one of the biggest issues that's happened recently with, the you know, the new thing with Airbnb and also, you know, people just owning more homes, like people buying out the market um, that want to rent their own homes. They're not utilizing the mountain to now have, like, to rent these out for them and, you know, put the people that are working there into these homes. Now instead... They're losing these situations, these living situations, which means they're losing employees. Yeah, so basically all of the more long-term housing has turned into Airbnbs, which makes it almost impossible to find affordable... This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. More, you know, six months housing, right? So the towns can't find people to work in them. So we've been to ski towns where it's like, oh, the coffee shops are only open on, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because that's the only day they can get staff. Or this restaurant is only open, you know, for dinner these nights of the week because they don't have enough staff. There's, you know, we saw videos of... Crested Butte actually had a problem with a lot of the, like, big money coming in and buying up the housing area. And so now, in order for people to be able to rent there, they need to make a lot of money. So the people that were working at the ski resort couldn't afford them because they would be million-dollar homes now instead of you know, a couple hundred thousand, and so, yeah, it just makes it completely unaffordable, so Crested Butte was having an issue with keeping employees. Yeah. Like, the whole town was deserted in the sense of, like, being able to get a coffee or breakfast or something in the morning, or even in the mid-afternoon. You'd have to basically wait till dinner to be able to get anything. Yeah, but then you have all these, like, super rich people wanting to be waited on and served, but then there's nobody there to do it because all the people making minimum wage can't afford to live in the town. (laughs) But so, this van life may be an affordable housing option for mountain towns. It's a -a one-of-a-kind plan being tried out in Eagle to see if van life might be a way 
for more people to work in pricey ski towns. Well, thank you, Eagle. <laughs> so this is in Colorado. And basically, they're setting up an area where people can live in their vans. So obviously, there's a slight barrier to entry that you would already have to have a van that you live in. Mm -hmm. um, but so basically, he's saying the local economy has gone up 4% in wages in the last 10 years. Rent has gone up 40%. And the price to own a home has gone up 20%. So this is the crisis that we're talking about. Yeah, so it's absolutely impossible for the people making the wages to be able to pay to rent in the area. And so they're starting a pilot program where people could park their vans for $250 a month. Now, that's not that much money. It's less than $10 a day. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good deal when it comes to like camping. I wonder if they're providing electric and if they're providing, uh, like, a, a bathroom, in a sense. Right. So I'm not exactly sure about that because it says, unlike other unaffordable, or excuse me, unlike affordable housing projects um, that would be kind of like, my mom actually used to work in affordable housing for the Ministry of Ontario and the region of Durham. And so those projects take years and years. You're building buildings. You're doing all of these things. There's a lot of infrastructure and red tape and well, approvals. A lot, of, a lot of money, like tax money or whatever it is that needs to be put into this. Right. But so the project that they're offering for van life in Eagle says that there's no overhead and so they don't need a lot of money to like get this going. They're but, not the one footing the bill, in other words, for the van lifers. The van lifers are coming there because they're already in the van. Right. And so this year they're starting with only 12 people, which really isn't that many. So 12 vans. And hopefully, you know, if it goes well, then they could expand to more areas. They could expand to improve, like add more people. But so they're going to try to grow it locally and provide a blueprint for the rest of Colorado. What is the, what is Eagle? Like what mountain is in Eagle? That's my question. Mm, I don't know. That's a question for Google. Mm, I could grab my phone over here, but what's the article say? It doesn't that? actually. That's it? That's the end of the article? Yes. What, what I find interesting about this is I love to snowboard. I would love to be one of the people who's possibly, uh, you know, enjoying the mountain, working for the mountain even, you know, and snowboarding for a period of time while hopefully making enough money to pay for the spot. Eagle Ranch Golf Course. Yeah, that would be the mountain there. But it's kind of... Oh, it's pretty it's close to Vail. Vail. Yeah, Vail and... Uh, I don't know which mountain that is, though. I think we Beaver Creek? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, we've been there before. It's actually... Beaver Creek is a great mountain. I don't know about Eagle, though. I don't, I've i never seen it. Let me see what I don't think Eagle like. is a mountain. I think it, Eagle is a mountain... Is the town Is the town it. kind of near the mountains, which is fine. But then I guess every day you would have to drive back and forth to the mountain. There's probably a shuttle or something that you could take. Yeah. But anyways, I think it's a great initiative. I think they definitely have to provide power hookup. Because in the winter, with the short days, and running your heater, and all that kind of stuff, especially if you're not moving your van very much, you would definitely want to be plugged in if you were going to be staying somewhere for a month, two months, three months. So that, to me, is overhead. Right. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, if there's no overhead, then are you putting in electrical plugs for all of these people to be able to run their heating in their vehicle? Because Colorado gets cold. Yeah, it definitely does. I'm trying to pull this up right now, but I can't. But, I mean, personally, like, if you do have a hookup, then you could hook up a electric heater as well. Yeah, so I think, you know, hopefully they're thinking about some things, even like a communal bathroom or something like that, because, you know, pee jugs fill up fast, and even if you've got yeah. the nicest system, you're going to need to dump it somewhere. Yeah. Um, so there's got to be some bit of an overhead, but anyways, it. Definitely, you know, I feel like we've talked about this because some of these mountain towns, some of them are great for van life and you could literally like park your van anywhere and it's so good and whatever. But other towns are just like so not open to vans being there at all. Especially in Colorado. I feel like there's a lot in Colorado that's not really interested in it. Yeah, it's like hard to find somewhere to park. It's hard to find somewhere to be. And so it's really... I mean, they're only allowing 12 vans, and it's all people who, like, have jobs on the mountain. But I think that the mountains are really, like, missing a huge piece of, like, the pie when it comes to, like, van life is booming. Ford is on board. 
you know, Transit's on board, Mercedes is on board, all, Winnipeg, like, all these people are on board, but then all of the places are like, don't camp with us. Well, one of the things I find interesting about van life is a lot of the people in it are very willing to work a job that is, like, the jobs that those millionaires want you to be, like, want to get served upon and stuff. Where a lot of us in vans are willing to work those type of jobs because we know it's quick money. We know it's an opportunity for us to be able to enjoy an area with not being in such high demand of always working, right? But being able to bring in quick cash to be able to afford the activities that you want to do. And a lot of the people aren't like, you know, money isn't everything to them. Experiences, right? Mm -hmm. So for these people... They're missing an opportunity to employ more people in their town for even if they're for short stints, you know, even if it's for three to six months, you know, before they move on to the next place. There's always going to be a revolving door if you're allowing those type of people in. Well, that's what a seasonal job is, right? Like you can't work at a ski resort in the summer. I mean, you can for mountain biking or whatever, but there's always like that shoulder season where they're not going to employ you anyways. Well, normally they would be employing people from, say, Australia or other countries to be able to come and work during because the, they love to snowboard, so that's what they do. They come here for the winter and then go back home for the winter. That way they always have employment on the mountain and are snowboarding. But you're, you could have the very similar thing within the United States if you just utilize the van lifers. Absolutely. If you want to get everything that Alex has to say in her take on this part of the podcast, definitely go check out our Patreon. It's the only way that you can get full access to this news podcast that we have going on this month and any other month after this and before it. This is the way that you get all the news. So definitely come and join us. It's fnavanlife.com slash Patreon. Our next article is called Hotel for Van Lifers. This is just a quick little quick little ditty about Jack and Diane. Hotel for Van Lifers Field Station Lodge in Moab offers a variety of base camp options. So the lodge will offer parking spots for vans, um, equipment rentals, um, I don't know what, a a beer garden. Yeah, beer garden. Spelt in a very German way. Um, And an option to sleep on a black diamond porta lodge as a hotel room, because why not? So basically the field station, it kind of sounds like a hostel slash hotel where van lifers will have an affordable option. So the regular rooms... At the lodge, the affordable rooms start at $150 a night during the off-season, but the van life price is still being determined and will be finalized later this year, a spokesperson says. Um, So basically, as a van lifer, um, you will have access to um, equipment rentals, education programs, outdoor guides, and on-site amenities like a cafe, beer garden, and swimming pool. And as a van lifer, you have access to communal areas, Wi-Fi, vehicle hookups, and communal bathrooms. Cool, cool. So this kind of reminds me a lot of the hostel situations that we've been having Mm -hmm. down here in Central America, which I've actually been really loving. Yeah, and it's an amazing way to find, like, new community and people that are traveling as well and an opportunity to just be in a different space. And, like, once again, you know, we try to be as frugal as possible, but it is nice to pay for a hookup and a nice spot and a kitchen and a shower to be able to go in. And a lot of the times we'll show up to places like that and we'll go, all right, we're going to spend like two days here. And then we wind up spending like a week and a half. Yeah, because it's just, it's so nice to have the amenities and to be able to, like you said, meet new people, have the communal experience. I feel like I really missed out. I wish that I'd done more backpacking or like any backpacking in my youth. That's not something that I ever did, so I've never really had this experience, like, in a hostile environment. And so when we've been doing it down here, you know, it's kind of what's offered on iOverlander in some of these towns as, like, the camping option. And it's so cool. Like, you can just go in, you can sit in on any of the, like, the big comfy chairs, bring in your computer, you know, meet friends, have coffee, you know, it's just been lovely. And what happens in a lot of these situations is you show up and with the expectation of, like, utilizing your space and then going in when you need a shower or maybe, like, do laundry or something like that. 
But then you wind up spending more time in the space and you wind up buying breakfast there, whatever there, you know what I mean? So you wind up actually spending quite a bit of money in these places. So for the people that are looking at doing a hostel situation, for the people that are out on the road, this is a great way for you to make an opportunity to make money, to meet new people, to create more business endeavors. Like it's a really good opportunity for a lot of, for both parties. Yeah, I think it's really amazing and you know, I'm all about it. And if they're doing this kind of, you know, it looks like a pretty basic, or I guess I should say sparse modern or like, you know, mm -hmm. very industrial modern um, kind of living situation at the Moab Base Camp Lodge. Um, but yeah, I think it would be nice if more hotels and places like that offered these things for van lifers because a lot of people are willing to pay for a night or two or three, you know, and especially, you know, even if I feel like the price in North America will probably be a lot more than the price in Central America. I will say that I think that they need to try to make it affordable still. Yeah, but I guess is affordable 20 bucks a night instead of, you know, $7 a max. night? I yeah. think 15 is the maximum where it makes it affordable for travelers outside of the United States. If it's if it's travelers of just the United States, then maybe 20 But that still even feels aggressive. You know what I mean? Maybe we're just used to Mexico and Central America. I just think that when I look at the people that come to Mexico and Central America, right? They're really nice people. They're good people. They're people that want to travel. They're people that want to explore new cultures and new things. And they're the type of people that you want to come into your country. But if it's too expensive, how long can they really do it for? Right, I think that's totally fair. You're 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 missing a whole market, even though it's smaller amounts of money. They'll be there longer and spend more money over that time well, because they might even try to get like an odd job or something while they're doing it. Sure, or they don't cost you a lot of money for them to be there. No. So, like, say, and I could have a lot more. So, say I have a parking lot and I could fit ten rigs in it. On top of having your already unique guests. If each rig is giving me $15 a night, that's a lot of money. And what did, I, what did I have to give up for it? Some electricity, some water. That's about it. If it, say it was 10 rigs, it's 100 bucks. If it's 15 rigs and it's $10, it's $150 a night. That's a, that's a whole room. And right. you didn't have to pay anybody for housekeeping. Like, you're probably already paying somebody to keep the grounds. Yep. Like, it's pretty simple, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I will even say that there's a really good chance that now you sold more food. Now you sold more more drinks. Right. Now or, you sold more everything. Or the gear rentals or the, you know, the other things that they're offering in terms of, like, you know, say you're booking a tour through you. the hostel. You know, you're booking... I don't know, excursions, or you're telling people, you know, you're linking them up with tour companies that you have arrangements with, so you're getting a kickback from that. Like, there's so many ways to make money from these people that I feel like, I don't know, I think that there's this stigma against van lifers and campers and things like that, or even just, like, hostels aren't that common in North America, mm -hmm. or maybe I'm just ignorant because I've never, like, looked for them. Mm -hmm. But in our three years of traveling in Canada and the United States, not once on iOverlander did I see a situation where it was like, come park at this hotel. Uh, I will say that we had the adverse effects of the pandemic against us when it comes to hostels. Because we did try to go to one in Alaska. Couldn't go. Because, it was closed. But yeah, they were like, unless you were like booked out, you know, in advance and had these things, like these tests and whatnot then you're allowed in here. If not, we're not allowed an outsiders in. So there was a lot of that going on. Yeah, so one time in three years did we find a situation, and it wasn't even that we could camp there, it was that we could maybe use their shower. Yes, yeah. And I think that's because while we were in the States, since it is more expensive, we would definitely be even more like, you know, uh, money mindset, like frugal with what we were doing and trying to camp on like free land, you know, by free land, I mean money that we use, we pay with for our taxes is the money that goes towards that land. So it's not technically free, but you're allowed to stay on it like it's free. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. I think that I've really enjoyed the experience of, you know, being in the hostile environment down here in Central America and I think it would be really cool if that kind of 
energy, that vibrance kind of infused its way back up into North America. Yeah, to give people an opportunity and a chance to see America for all its beauty instead of like what they might see on the news. Yeah, and that's the same for us down here. I feel like there's a lot of news about Central America that's not that positive, and we've only had positive experiences. Yes, for sure, I agree. Yeah. Is that it? Okay, we got to do the thing for the... To figure it out when you're editing it. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. We absolutely love bringing down these news articles and really thinking about kind of like the bigger world of van life. We absolutely love our life on the road, and we just think that, you know, everybody could enjoy it, whether it's for a weekend or for, you know, years. And just to elaborate a little bit more on what Alex said, like, yeah, it's great to look outside of our small bubble that we have. Alex and I are experiencing van life for ourselves. We do have friends in the... in you know, van life, but we're not experiencing their life firsthand. We're experiencing ours. So we can only tell you things from our perspective. And it is really nice to get these articles and read them and be able to like find the good things in them and also pick them apart for being horrible sometimes. (laughs) And so next week we're going to have Salva on the show. He's the tour guide that we've been dealing with down here in El Salvador. And we're excited to like share with you all of the cool stuff that's going on here in El Salvador and why Maybe you should be adding it to your travel bucket list if it's not a place that you've thought of before. I wouldn't even say why. I'm going to say you need to add it. (laughs) It's dope. Yeah. It's a really cool place. It's spectacular. The people have been wonderful. I even went and played basketball in the middle of like, yeah, it's just amazing. And the people wanted me to come back and play more basketball. So, you know, I I like that type of stuff. (laughs) So, yeah, we hope that you guys enjoyed the show. Again, come on over to the Patreon to get the full uncut version of this podcast we can't wait to see you over there we actually just hit a pretty big milestone on patreon we are now officially over 75 patreons which we are so happy and excited about we're so grateful for each and every one of you and to celebrate we're going to be doing a patreon only live stream in the very near future and when we hit 100 patreons we're sending every single patron no matter their level a postcard from wherever we are in the world, signed, stamped, sealed. Maybe we'll get Paco's little paw print on it. So it's definitely a great time to join. There's so much good stuff going on over there, so much behind the scenes. And, of course, this episode and all of our other monthly news episodes completely uncut. Yeah, baby. We hope you guys have an F&A day. Hey, everybody knows it's true. Band Life YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All that.